bed at night, what you've been seeking for your children and those of your neighbors and those in the hospital that are ill and sick, you've been interceding for them. And God has been commissioning angels that have been released from heaven this morning and going out. The Lord Jesus has been interceding and speaking by his spirit into your soul to make you erupt in prayers and thoughts of people that you hadn't even considered till today. And as you've said them, he's commissioned angels to go forward. He's commissioned and sent his word to go and do a job that it will not be fruitless and it will not be void. It will come back and it will produce seed and harvest that needs to be accomplished. You've already mended bodies. You've mended economies. You've mended souls. You've prayed for nations and missionaries and people from around the world have been touched this morning because you gathered together in his name. You've caused praise to be excited in heaven as your voices have resounded into an eternal atmosphere that have lifted up the name of Jesus that other angels can't. Angels can't sing what you sing. And so a love song has gone into the heavenlies today. This is what's going on today. This is what's going on in our midst. You've rescued people through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You've changed people's lives, all of it by the ministry of God in you. So now we come to the Word of God so that our minds would be expanded and our souls would be open and that Word of God could even do greater work within us. Does that sound good to you? That's what we've been accomplishing. That's what we've been doing. And so good job, Christ community. Amen. Amen. Now, if you haven't been aware of that, it's all right. It goes on despite your awareness. And aren't you glad that God accomplishes much even apart from our own intelligence and our own knowing? He even uses us without our knowing it. How much more is it, how much more fun and how much more powerful is it that when we're aware that this is happening, then you get engaged in it and you want to participate? Well, this morning we're picking up where we left off last week, and I'm speaking to you about a fivefold reformation. This, you can turn me down a little bit. Uh, this fivefold reformation is speaking of what God is trying to accomplish with his people through the church. He's reforming us back to the original shape that we're to be, and that is in the image of Jesus. We looked at Ephesians 4, 7 to 16, and we saw that each of us has been giving this grace. These grace gifts are the very DNA of Jesus. And he's descended into the earth realm as a man so that he could impart the ministry that he had come to do as the greatest apostle, as the greatest prophet, as the greatest evangelist, the greatest shepherd, and the greatest teacher. Jesus modeled all that he wanted to leave in the earth so that it would transform the earth back to the original design he planned to make it to be. And he's left his body here as he has ascended from the grave into the heavenlies and left his DNA in us so that he may fill all things. And so he took captivity captive into the lower parts of the earth and out of Sheol and the grave, those who were righteous, he brought out and brought to heaven. He's filled the heavenlies. His now desire is to fill the earth and you're that task. You're the one who is going to accomplish that. So he gave these gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work, for the work, 
for the work of ministry. And what is that work of ministry? To bring his presence into the earth. To bring him to people. And to fill people's lives. For the building up of the body of Christ when each part is working properly. And that's why we have a need for reformation, to be reformed. Because for too long, each part's not been working properly. What's been happening in the Western church is we've had you sit here and we hire professionals to do the work. And that is completely wrong and completely amiss. And we've only allowed one position to pay people for, and that's the pastor, that's the shepherd. Apostles have faded away. Prophets have faded to the outskirts of work. Evangelists we get to see now and then. But the pastor teacher gets paid for what he can do. And again, that is a malformation of the body of Jesus. And so we all have to get back to working properly. And in these last days, God is raising up the fivefold to accomplish this task. And it's not five offices that are set apart for a select few people. It is the DNA of Jesus, and it fills each one of us. If the Spirit of Jesus dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. And that quickening is to the way within you that the Spirit of God is calling you. You're being conformed to the image of Jesus. And that shape or the image of Jesus is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. There it is. There's the shape. That's the body of Christ. That's the DNA of his ministry. That's what he wants to fill the earth with. And so if you're being predestined to be conformed to that image, you have to have the DNA of that image. Does this make sense to you? And so the Spirit birthed in you and brought you out of Adam and put you in Christ so that you now have his nature in you and that you're now being conformed to that five-fold nature of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so, you're to discover what aspect or the way of that fivefold you move in stronger than another. See, I have four children. Each one of them bear the traits of my wife and I, but each uniquely and differently as they portray our genes in their own life. So it is with Christ. So each of you may move in the apostolic and prophetic. Some of you may be teacher apostle. Some of you may move in prophetic and evangelistic. But that DNA of Jesus and that identity of Christ being shaped in you needs to be called forward and needs to be put to work so that Christ is filling this earth. Can I get an amen on that? I'm going to let you participate today. I, should, I let you participate every Sunday. So participate. Amen? So this is what is happening. And so in a review, what we decided to do was begin to call that out and begin to activate it. Now, through your life, the, these dynamics of the DNA will shift and rise. Right? Uh, some of you uh, in the time you're at right now, maybe evangelism is that key component. Maybe you're prophetic. Ten years from now, as that is growing and maturing, another aspect of the fivefold may raise up and put you into another dimension of use for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Amen. And so we called out evangelists last week. We identified them, bold, challengers. They bring necessary division. I think that's a really key component to an evangelist. Uh, we always say we can't have any division, can't have any division, but we need people who can rightly divide. 
We need people who can call out what's right and wrong. And the evangelist loves to do that. That's the evangelist. They'll let you know what's wrong all the time. They'll let you know what's unrighteous. And so we saw that. They defend righteousness and truth. So that's in the church and out of the church. We've limited evangelists to only be those who reach the lost, but that's not the case. An evangelist is awfully necessary in the body of Christ to call out and to spur on the people of God. Amen? And uh, calls things out, sounds the alarm, and moves under the spirit and the unction. And uh, we also said, if that's you, then we had you stand. And we also identified the preparatory work that the Spirit's doing in you. In order to shape you into that, you got to go through some things, right, to make you that. So we looked at the uh, evangelist. Some of you are here. Raise your hand if you stood up last week, evangelists. All right, good, good. All right, maybe this morning you weren't here last week, but this identifies you. I'll be praying for you as well at the end of this. Then we went on to teacher, and we saw that the teaching anointing or the teaching DNA of the Lord means, first of all, that anybody that's a teacher has to be a student. Any good teacher has to know how to learn. If you can't learn, if you're not teachable, you're not going to be a good teacher. That's the bottom line. Because a teacher is always learning, always expanding, always growing. That's what they love. That's what they eat. That's what they consume. They're always researching, always going after, always searching out. They're a problem solver. They love the renewing of their mind. They want to know more. They wrestle with challenges of knowledge. And how does this work? How does that function? They uh, love wisdom. And insight is key to them as to understanding problems and how things are operating. That also makes them always available because they love to teach. They want to offer insight. They want to be available in case you need help. And last of all, they love to impart that wisdom and knowledge. Now, in order for you to get there, as you are a teacher, God is honing that in you, that resonates with you. You go, yeah, that's really, that's what I love about church. You find out that you hang around people like that because it, it starts, to, starts to connect. And what we realized is that we found out in order for you to be prepared, God has to do some things that challenges you to grow your teaching aspect and to grow that DNA in you and to shape you. How many of you know that many times in order to grow strong, there has to be resistance? That muscle doesn't develop unless it has some resistance to it. So some of you are wondering like, oh, the devil's beating me up, when all along it's God putting you in the gym. (laughs) Ten more push-ups. I can't take it anymore. Where are you, God? Right here. You're on five. Go for six. Anybody ever feel that way? All right? Yeah, okay. And so we asked the teachers, how many teachers that were here last, year, uh, last week? All right, we prayed for you. We're going to go on now and pick up where we left off. So the next person we're going to look at are those who are shepherds. You know, this is the only place in the Bible in the New Testament where the term pastor is applied. The only reference to a pastor is right here in Ephesians 4.11. What we read throughout the book of Acts and in Paul's epistles really are the presbytos, the elders, the eldership who are over the churches and care for the churches. But a shepherd's heart, you see, doesn't mean it has to be a pastor of a church. He's the nurturer or she is a nurturer. 
She has the heart of a shepherd. She gathers. She's concerned. He's concerned about the well-being of the people. That could be at your job, at work. That could be for your family. That could be for your neighborhood. And so you can shepherd people. It's all things to all people. You become that. How many of you remember Paul said, I become all things to all people so that I may win some. And so you adapt yourself to a situation because you want to meet those people's needs. That's a shepherd. You don't make people bend to you. You reach to them. And that's a shepherd's heart. You love. You love so much that you'll correct. Your, 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 your deepest trait is a nurturer, very close to a mothering heart. If you'll remember Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica, he said, I was like a nursemaid to you. I cared for you. I nurtured you. I rocked you in my arms, if you can take that illustration, as a little baby, fed you the milk of God's word. You care and nurture. You're mercy-driven. You, you, you can be uh, so merciful and want to give and help in every situation. You see potential with people where others just walk by them and say, that guy's a rat. And you go, no, there's something about him I like. Oh, come on, these people are just this and that. And it's like, no, you can't walk by somebody without caring. It's that mercy gift. You see potentials in people. You lead and you guide and, and you strive for unity. While the evangelist is saying, you're out of line, get over here. You're going, oh, but let's work with them a little longer. This gift will kill you. <laughs> drives you nuts. How many of you find that you resonate as that nurturer, as that shepherd person? How many of you? Just lift your hand up. All right, if this resonates with you, stand up, you shepherds. Some of you have been down on yourselves because you don't feel as strong as you see others so resolutely stand. Because you bend to care and you reach over to someone else and sometimes you overcompensate for what they need. Sometimes you get taken and you get abused because mercy flows out of you so much that you can easily be taken advantage of. But even in that, you don't mind because you're doing it all unto Jesus. But sometimes you get weary in that. And your greatest gift so many times is the one that is also going to give you the greatest trouble. So shepherds, what typically happens with you is that your heart gets broken often because you extend your heart out and you do get taken advantage. And people disappoint you and people wander. And that hurts because you don't just give a little, you give your heart. And so in order for you to continue as a shepherd, you have to learn how to operate with a broken heart. And you've got to be careful that that broken heart doesn't have a shield put over it so that you will resist caring again. No, you have to go in a dangerous way and try one more time and to give effort to people once again. You're betrayed. And what happens is you're always challenging your own self-worth and self-value. Because again, you don't know if you've got what people need. And that is another form of wanting to have enough 
for other people. You seek soulful insights. Another thing that's going to be challenged in your life is your patience. Patience. And you have to learn to discern when it is you running out of patience and when it is the Lord saying, stick with them. That's a tough part of being a shepherd. Because a good shepherd has to know how to discipline. And so God's going to have to teach you how to discipline properly. Because many times, mercy can give and give and give, and you're only becoming an enabler instead of a shepherd. And that takes work. Some of you have to learn how to say no. And some of you have to learn not to spare the rod, or you will spoil that child. And so you have to learn that once your heart's broken, once you've been betrayed, once you wonder if you're good enough, wondering if you have enough insight to give and your patience is at its end, you have to learn to get back up again and try with someone else and give it your best shot for them. And every now and then you will see a breakthrough in people's lives. And you'll shepherd them not for the short run, but for the long run. And you rejoice when after years they come back to you and say, it was you who spoke to me, and it was you that changed my life. I'm sorry I was so mean to you, <laughs> but it made a difference. I don't know if this resonates with any of you and if this feels true, but this is what God's preparing you for, and I want to pray into your life. Let's pray for these shepherds. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who are standing who feel that sense of shepherding others. Lord God, it is a very difficult time. And before they can become good shepherds, they have to know a shepherd's heart. And that's you, Lord. I pray that these shepherds will get to know your intimate heart. That they will begin to understand how you shepherd. And that, Lord, you'll give them strength. That they won't be weak by their mercy gifts, but they in fact will learn that mercy, Lord God, is strong when it has balance and boundaries. Lord God, teach them the finer things of shepherding. Teach them how to carry both a rod and a staff. Soothe their minds and hearts with an oil upon them that they can pour out to bring healing to others. Heal their hearts so that they may have the ability to heal others. And as, Lord, we pour out this anointing and this calling on them, make them shepherds after your own heart and use them as people are drawn to them, Lord God. Awaken this gift in them to a greater measure and use them in power and might. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise God. Calling all prophets, calling all prophets. Again, you may have a gift mix. You may stand for a couple of these. And some of you may say, I don't know what I am, but just by me releasing these and defining these, it will get into your heart and it will begin to flourish and you'll begin to see it. But let's talk about the prophet. Prophets are interesting people. Prophets are creative people. They're fluid. They're artistic. They move, they flow, they feel. And... Uh, they're divided by spiritual and physical. They understand. They kind of hang out in the realm of the spiritual and 
aren't so necessarily interested in the function of the physical of how things are run and how things are going, though when it's wrong, they'll call out what it should be. But their mind is on heaven. They're presence-driven. They're driven by the presence of God. They're driven by the Spirit and the sense of grieving the Spirit or blessing the Spirit. They're very aware of what the Spirit of God is saying and feeling in a situation. They seek the heart of God and not the heart of men. They seek what God wants. And they want to dispense Jesus. They want to give the heart of the Father through them. That river that flows from the throne flows through them and they want to impart it unto others. They're builders. They're encouragers. Because they edify, exhort, and comfort because that's the ministry of Jesus to the bride. And so they take on that ministry of Christ because the spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus. And so they reveal Jesus and they are seers in varied dimensions. While you're looking at a pretty sunset or a blue sky, they're seeing heaven talking. While the birds are chirping and the leaves are rustling, they're hearing a voice from heaven. When you're looking at colors, they're seeing moods and emotions of God. It's just a dimension that they walk in in creativity. They are supernaturally driven as opposed to some people being like the pastors who are emotionally driven and caring for people's feelings and and caring for their well-being and their physical health and so forth. The prophet is looking in to the spiritual dimensions of people's lives. If you have a problem and you're asking for prayer from a prophet, he's going to pray into the heavenlies against the demonic realm. He's going to pray into the heavenlies to call out what destiny is and to speak what the future is over your life. While another person who's the shepherd might pray for your heart and your emotions and your well-being and how are you getting along with the people you're praying with. Do you see the differences? And so prophets, do we have any prophetic people here? Stand if this bears witness with you. Any prophetic people? Amen. Good. All right. Again, folks, I want to reiterate this. We weren't born in the Spirit for most of our lives. It wasn't until you got saved that the seed of Jesus came into you. So for most of your life, you've been operating under the DNA and functioning under your parents' influence. So you have to learn how to become a prophet. You have to grow into this as a shepherd or evangelist. You're being trained. And so as you feel this DNA of Jesus rising up in the prophetic, he needed to train you in it. And he is going to continue to train you in it till you come into the full maturity and stature of that prophetic significance of Jesus. And so some of the things he's training you with to be a prophet is that you'll find yourself up and down emotionally. The reason you go up and the reason you go down is because you're conflicted between a physical world and a spiritual world. Your head is in the spirit realm. You're praying in the heavenlies. But your body lives on the planet. And you get frustrated with all the stuff that's around you. And so you're emotionally going up and down. You're feeling heaven's tug and you're feeling earth's pull 
of its gravitational force. You hear the good things of God, but you got to put up with the foolish things of people. Drives you nuts. This is the tough thing. You're like pilots who love, once you're in the air, you love to fly, but you run out of fuel and have to land the plane. And so many times you'd love to be soaring when you have to be taxiing on the runway. And so God is working with you to learn how to flow in that heavenly and come back to earth. You can't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You've got to translate the heavens into people's lives on this earth. You're challenged between spirit and physical realms. You want to see things in the Spirit. You want to call them out in the Spirit. But other people aren't seeing what you're seeing. Other people don't have the urgency by which you've had an unction of God to do something. And you report it and people go, yeah, sure, whatever. You're like a spiritual barometer. You know when a storm's coming and you're telling everybody, bring your umbrella. And nobody does. So you feel rejection. You feel underappreciated for what you're seeing and hearing. And you have to learn to continue. You have to learn to dwell on the Lord and be patient with people. You have to learn to express the heart of Jesus without making people run away from you. Because under your unction, you still have to present Jesus to them. And you have to give them the message the way Jesus would. So you have to learn how Jesus spoke and how he cared for people. You're conflicted between kingdom and society. Between presence and people. You're fine on your own in your prayer closet. You're fine as long as you can worship under the Lord between you and him. But it's activated with people around you and trying to get them to discern and understand it's frustrating so God is training you to be a prophet he had to train Elijah who got very depressed he had to train Elisha how to learn how to work and operate with other people in the school of the prophets you see you're unique you're creative and so you have to adjust and that's his biggest thing helping you to adjust the spiritually mindedness with this physical world of people. Does that resonate with you? I hope, I hope. And what I want to do is pray for you now. Let's pray for these prophets. Father God, I thank you for these prophetic, unique in each of their ways. Some have visions and dreams. Some, some have a sense and a move. Some are prayer warriors. Some are prophetic in the word. Some discern and know the times just by hearing your voice. God, so many different dimensions. We thank you for it, Lord. And I pray an impartation to these prophets that, Father God, you will use them and hone in their skills to be developed so that they'll bring heaven to earth and that they will do it with the grace of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We finish today with this, the apostle, the apostolic, the apostle's a builder. He makes foundations. What does he build? Kingdom of God identity. 
He's a visionary. He can go into a place that has no kingdom and begin to see where the structure of the kingdom must begin to be developed. He understands the role of the fivefold and how an evangelist, a shepherd, and a teacher are necessary because as an architect, he knows when to bring those gifts in for building kingdom. The apostle touches all other gifts, and he's a risk taker. He's not worried because he sees past the situation into what can be by the kingdom entering into it. He knows and partners with the prophet who can hear from heaven. But he, hearing from heaven, knows what to do in the earth. The apostle knows what to do. And so they work side by side. He imparts to others and he calls them out and says, you do this, you'll go here. So he's very father heart minded. He is a father to many because he draws them up and draws the gifting out and puts people to work. He sees the whole as what must be done. He always protects the kingdom and doesn't allow it to blur with the things of this earth and makes distinction, and calls the evangelist to divide what is wrong. And he is an entrepreneur because he's always creative to start something new. This isn't working. Tear it down and let's build something new. Where the shepherd's going to say, wait, these people have worked so hard and there's coming along. And he'll say, it's not working. And he'll have it start over again. Evangelists go over here and make this thing happen. And shepherd, deal with the uh, byproduct of what happened here. Heal their wounds while the evangelist is raising this up. Prophet, begin to call things out so that we'll know the direction to move in. Let's go, people. Let's make it happen. If that sounds like you, stand up. You've got an apostolic call. You've got an apostolic sense. You can see into situations what needs to be done. Amen. You see it in your home. You see it at work. As you're working, you recognize what's wrong with the workplace. You can tell right away what's dysfunctioning. When you're at home, you can see within your own budget and your own finance what needs to be fixed and changed. So this just isn't in the church, folks. Understand that. All right, those of you that are apostles... We've got to call you out. God's going to prepare you. So what's he going to do? He's going to teach you the other four gifts. You're going to have to learn the value of an evangelist. You need to understand the value of a teacher. You need to fully understand the value of a shepherd and a prophet so that you can call them into their positions as you need it. You are also going to fail a lot. And you're going to learn how to get past your failure. Because as Edison said, after he failed a thousand times on how to invent the right filament, he realized all I've done is learn how not to create the proper filament for a light bulb. And he continued to go on. And so you're going to have failure, but you don't stop at failure. That doesn't bother you because you'll move forward. And in the failure, you'll pick yourself up and learn. You'll learn how to respect authority because you garner authority. You have authority. Therefore, you submit yourself to others because you totally get that aspect and dynamic. You'll be challenged often and you'll be often misunderstood. But that's not going to stop you. And you're going to hone your skills so that you can communicate better and that you will be understood. And you're going to learn to not need approval from men because you're going to want to be able to please God. And I pray that that resonates with you, and I want to pray into your life. Father, I thank you for these apostles.
I thank you for them, Lord God, because you've called them to this task. They are rising up and moving into position that you've called them to. Give them vision to go. Give them courage and boldness to act. And Lord God, send them, send them, and send them in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Would you all stand this morning before we sing our last song? That I may commission all of you in the fivefold measure that God has brought you to. Lift your hands up, would you, people? How many of you are born again? Oh, good, your all hands are up. Listen, if Jesus is in you, so is this fivefold. The only reason it's not being developed is either because of ignorance or disobedience. Would you yield yourself to begin allowing this fivefold to manifest? It will bring joy to you in your Christian walk. You will finally begin to understand the shape that you're taking. Father, I pray right now for an impartation of this fivefold ministry of Jesus into our lives. I release, Lord God, the apostles to act and will and perform in a higher capacity than they have before. I call out the prophets to speak with new boldness and to gain greater words from the Lord and to move forward with an unction that is now going to take them into places that they never thought they could go. I'm speaking to the evangelists for a level of boldness that will increase where they thought they were bold has only been junior high. You're moving into high school now and God's going to take you into your doctorate and into your higher levels. I speak to the shepherds. Your flock shall increase because your ability to govern is coming forward. Your mercy gifts are being tempered now with wisdom and instruction and God is giving you a greater impact on a flock. God is now moving to you teachers because God is opening your minds to another dimension. Opening your minds and hearts to a greater awareness of what he's going to do and have you in teach and part. So go forth, people of God, and be used in greater measure than ever before. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah.